The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I won't let my body outweigh, outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong, I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the mirror while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Cause you and I outweigh. Happy Saturday, Outweigh fam. Hey, Michelle. Hello. How you doing? Doing good. Michelle's a regular here now. Here we are. <laughs> episode four of Michelle's residency here on Outweigh. And I am going to get into a little bit of my story, which we've shared before, because we're going to talk about binging and how that might look like you're restricting if you deny yourself a binge. And this is just my personal story. I don't know that this will work for everyone, but I was a big fan of Brain Over Binge, which is a book that was written by Katherine Hansen and it came with a workbook. It was a big part of my recovery along with Fork the Noise, which Lisa, my co-host for Outway, who's Michelle is filling in for the last four weeks but I had to implement all kinds of tools from all over. But because I was in such a binge restrict cycle and even purge at times, the binging didn't happen all the time, but it was something that I had to practice not doing. And that's through the brain over binge process was when I found myself going to the pantry, when I knew it wasn't time for food, like I had had enough food, like it was good. I had to go to the pantry and literally just walk away. 
And I had to walk away from it hundreds of times probably. And the, the point was to build new neural pathways of like, I don't need food right now, but this is not restriction. I'm not restricting myself. I can have this food. I'm not hungry right now. I don't need this food. I'm walking away. So it was this constant like back and forth. I mean, there were some days where I probably walked to the pantry so many times and I would just turn around. But that was part of the process that worked for me. Now, Michelle, being a registered dietitian and having clients that come to you, say I was your client and I came in and I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I go to my pantry and I'm eating like 50 times a mm-hmm. night and I'm going and I'm just constantly grabbing for things. It might just be that I'm going to the pantry and eating too much, but then that ultimately for me and my personal experience would end up in a binge because I'd be like, look at what I've already eaten. So I'm just going to sit here and eat. And I would get into this zone. It's almost like I checked out and like I was just going through the motions of eating. And so that was a tool that I used to rewire my brain. What is something that you would have added to my toolbox during that season of my life? Yeah. So something that is kind of similar and different is um, thinking about permission and choice. And so what I tell my clients is, you know, you always have the option to do these disordered behaviors. Like let's not take it off the table because then that is going to make it kind of feel more appealing. But if you're having that urge to binge and what you said about feeling checked out is really important. If someone doesn't know if they're overeating or binging that mentality of not being able to stop and feeling out of control is kind of the sign of a binge versus just eating too uncomfortably full or overeating. And so what I like to tell clients is first, make sure that you're eating enough and it's not just a product of restriction because that restrict binge cycle is very present. So if you are eating enough and you still are having the binges, then yeah, try and create space is how I describe it. So, you know, what I've had some people do that they found very helpful is like literally set a timer for 10 minutes when you feel that urge to binge and then use that time to journal or distract yourself in some way, doing some sort of other pleasant activity or think about just notice like what you're feeling and what's driving the binge. And then when the 10 minutes are up, then make the choice. So not, I'm not going to binge, but then you get to decide at that time after you've reflected and checked in with yourself, do I want the food or do I actually need something else? And just making it a conscious choice makes it less compulsive and out of control. And then, yeah, giving yourself that power of like, oh, I can make this a decision. It's interesting. Like our brains, they're so fascinating. Fascinating. I'm like (laughs) grinning ear to ear when I say it because I honestly don't understand much of it, but I'm trying and I've seen it happen in my brain and I've seen the difference that it can make. And I, what ultimately happened was I started restricting. That's where it first started for me. This is again, my story, but at a young age, I started dieting as a teenager and that restriction, then my brain suddenly was like, wait, what? We can't trust this person. I'm going to take care of you. So you're going to need to eat and eat and eat. Next time you give me food, we're eating a lot of it because I don't know when you're going to give it to me again. And then, then that for me is how the binging started was from the restricting and having a list of things I was never allowed to have. And so I was totally disconnected. Like there was no, yeah, mind, body, spirit connection. Like it just was, my brain was in survival mode. Like no wonder 
And now that I understand it, I'm like, oh, it's crazy that my brain was literally forming a way to take care of me. Right. It just wants us to survive (laughs) desperately. Yeah. And so, I mean, what you mentioned briefly was like foods being off limits. That's the other piece of things is making sure that whatever your go-to binge foods are, if you don't want to binge on them, are you incorporating them in a healthy way? So let's say, I mean, you mentioned Oreos before, now I'm thinking about Oreos. So let's I always say, talk about Oreos. <laughs> so I mean, number one question, are you regular Oreos or golden Oreos? I'm regular double stuffed. Oh, golden Oreos double stuffed are my favorite. So good. I might have to try those. I don't really go for the golden. I try to pick up all the other crazy flavors that are out there. Okay. My friend Kat Defada, who she's comes on Outway sometimes, but she is also on the the same network. She has a podcast called You Need Therapy. And we were doing a podcast about something totally different than Oreos. But of course, I found a way to bring up Oreos. <laughs> and she, we had this whole like metaphor for how Oreos, they keep adding so many different flavors. Yeah. It's almost like you go to Target or the grocery store and there's so many different Oreo flavors. And it's like, why'd you mess with something that was good? Like Oreos, they right. had something going. Like they're good. Fine. You could end at the regular and the golden. We'll give you that. But then there's like (laughs) double chocolate, chocolate chunk, chocolate hazelnut, like all, you know, red velvet. Yeah. There was a mystery one that was like fruity pebbles. Yeah. It's the Oreo company ends up being this metaphor for like, we as humans, we keep striving and striving and like, when is enough? (laughs) Like, when are we satisfied with who we are? and what we bring to the table because Oreo just does not seem satisfied. And so it's kind of like the the difference between like striving versus contentment is was yes. basically our conversation. And it all happened because Oreos, <laughs> like I a lot of that. conversations in my life start because of Oreos. <laughs> so back to this conversation, um, you asked me my favorite, but yeah, Oreos might be something that right. is a binge food. So where am I incorporating it into my life? Yeah. So if you find yourself going to binge on Oreos and then what works for you is to take a pause or to walk away or to do some journaling or whatever it is, if you never eat the Oreos, the urge to binge them probably won't go away. So then the next step would be maybe the next day while you're eating your lunch, you have a few Oreos as a side with your lunch and normalize it in the other parts of your life and the other times of day outside of the binge so that it loses that emotional charge. The Oreos aren't ruling you. Exactly, exactly. When I first became a mom, I had so many disordered behaviors myself and I was passing them along to my kids and Mm -hmm. I restricted so many things. And I thought I was doing it in the name of health. My children were gonna be so quote unquote, healthy. And I would get so irritated if they would go to like a something at church, for example, where yeah. I, sh- I shouldn't be irritated there, <laughs> but I would go pick them up and then they would have all this candy and snacks from Sunday school. And I would be like, they didn't even ask me. Mm-hmm. They didn't even ask me if it was okay to give my kids candy. I'm working so hard to keep candy out of their life. And then I realized I was making them obsess about candy way more. Like my kids actually didn't really care that much about candy, but they were caring about it more because I wasn't allowing it. Exactly. So that also is was a huge learning lesson for me. And my kids are so much happier now. My daughter has said multiple times, like, you're just more cool. Or I don't know how she, <laughs> she puts it. Like, yeah. She just says that I'm not as strict around food as right. I used to be 
and not just for myself, but for them. And we don't realize sometimes what we're doing, we're passing along to our kids and then we could be creating this, you know, fear of foods in our children when they didn't even have a fear to begin with. We put it there. Yeah. And I don't know if there's research on this, but if you were to look at the variety of foods that kids eat when they're in a home that restricts sugar, for example, versus when they're not, they probably eat less sugar when it's not restricted. Like we're naturally interested in variety. And so when everything is available, we want variety. Yeah. So just think about that if you happen to be a mom, but then also think about that just for yourself and know that like, I'm sure it makes sense when you think about it from a child's eyes. Mm -hmm. It literally is the same thing from you. And you as an adult listening to this now, you maybe started some of these behaviors as a child because I grew up with diet culture all around me and the restricting all around me because it was the 90s and everything was fat free and everyone was trying this diet and that diet. And it was very normal for, and it still is normal for a lot of moms to quote unquote diet. But I think as a society, we're learning more, we're shifting away from that. And hopefully we're raising up a generation that won't have that as their childhood memories. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. How old are you, Michelle? I'm 30. Okay. So I'm 40. What was it like for you as, as a child? Well, I mean, I am very grateful that my, my parents were pretty flexible with food. So we, we had a wide variety of things with some parameters of, you know, my mom would not buy the certain types of cereal that had quote unquote too much sugar, but you know, still we had pop tarts every now and then and all sorts of things. So I was pretty I don't like the word normal because is there even a normal, but normal with food growing up, which I think really contributed to having a healthy relationship with food was just like, it was always there. It was always normal. There wasn't, I mean, yes, I did see people on diet, the like weight watchers was super trendy and kind of all those diets, but for me and my siblings eating everything made it feel okay. Well, that's awesome. I think that's a great example of what that could look like. And the well, now what I'm going to be offering my kids and I hope that they yeah. grow up to be 30 and they're like, yeah, we kind of just were yeah. able to have whatever, except for the first year when our mom brought us to America, she restricted. <laughs> that will be their answer. After that, it got more. Yeah. The one thing for me was white bread. My mom only did whole wheat bread. And whenever I went to friends' houses, And we would have, like, if I had lunch there and they had white bread, that was like, wow, I got white bread. And I would like tell my mom, like we had white bread. So that was the one thing, you know, I, I always point out to people. And I think we, we know this, like when you're at like a kid's party, you can tell which kids don't have access to the sweets because they're like going for it. And that happens as adults too. Like you said, like you notice the people who are straight to the dessert table at the birthday party. And then it takes away from being able to be present in the socializing. So kind of relating it to adulthood, like if you're not allowing yourself those foods and then you're thinking about it more, then you're not fully participating in your life and everything else that you're wanting to do. Yeah. I missed out on so many experiences, whether I was binging or restricting Mm because depending on the day. So if it was a restrictive day, I would bring my own meal and miss out on whatever maybe someone cooked because I didn't trust it. So therefore I missed out on that connection. And then of course, because I'm eating what I brought, I'm just thinking about everything they're eating, wishing I could eat it. So there I'm not present. That was a restrictive state. Then if I was in a, I don't really care day, So I'm just going to eat whatever. Then I'm focused on eating whatever and I'm uncomfortable and I don't feel present again. So 
my hope is for people to find that that sweet spot where you can just be present with the people and enjoy the food, whatever that might be, and find joy in that activity because right. there's so much time when you're in a binge restrict cycle that you don't get to enjoy. You may cancel plans, not go to plans, again, depending on where you where you are in it. And there's so much joy to be had for you. There is. And it, and I do want to validate and acknowledge, normalize that it takes some challenge to get there because I hear from a lot of clients, like, well, I don't want to allow myself this food that I don't have permission for. Cause then I'll be so stressed out while I'm at that dinner with my friends. And I just want to be present. And so the initial, like working through it and giving yourself permission, and I'm sure you experienced this, like it does create discomfort, but it's the short-term discomfort for the long-term peace with food. Well, and we had um, Dr. Josh on the podcast. Actually, it's been a couple years now, but I follow him on Instagram and he's he's a medical doctor. And he was saying about that, you mentioned anxiety and stress around mm-hmm. like allowing a food, but the chemicals that you release with the stress around it is like worse than if you would just eat <laughs> the cookie or whatever it is. Absolutely. And so- if that just helps you have some perspective on it, give yourself that permission to yes. to try to enjoy it. Even if you're not restricting, what about keeping binge type foods or something that fell into that category for you? Or I don't even know, would we call it like a trigger food, like a food that you would eat that might lead to a binge? I know you mentioned incorporating it into or making sure it's available to you. You know, that's like one of the steps. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about keeping it in the pantry? I think it's great. I think for most people, it's very helpful to work through that process with a professional, with a dietitian, but I think it's something that's important to do because it just increases that level of full permission. So, you know, we want to make it sustainable and achievable, setting yourself up for success. So you might not buy all of your binge foods at once. Maybe you want to work through them one at a time, first focus on one and getting really comfortable with that. Then adding another. And the point is to be okay, having it without that compulsive urge to binge it. Then you get to, again, have that choice and that freedom of like, do I want to have it right now or not? So the initial working through it and like normalizing, having it at home doesn't mean that you need to have a constant supply of that food at at all times for the rest of your life. But then it just is like another thing on the grocery list when you want it. And it's not when you don't. I went through a phase. I'm not so much there anymore, but as I was retraining my brain, I had to do a lot of, a lot of unlearning and learning. Like at the grocery store, sometimes mm-hmm. I would go grab something and I'd be like, uh, I don't really need. And then I'd be like, you know what? Getting it. And I would just throw it in my cart because I, yeah. and it just was like something inside me just felt so empowering, like throwing it in my cart in that yes. simple <laughs> act. Like again, and then I knew I have a choice whether I'm taking that home and I'm going to put it in my pantry and I have a choice when I go to the pantry, I'm going to be in control. But like you said, just to back up, it takes a lot of time and it takes repeat, repeat, repeat. Like I said, I, I went back to the pantry or would walk away from the pantry multiple times, but I knew what I was doing to my brain and I trust the, I was trusting the process. There might be a different process for other people. But again, that book was brain over binge in case people want more info on that. But I like where this discussion went today. I know not everybody has an issue with binging, but hopefully it's important to talk about this episode was helpful to you. And then to understand what some other like family members or friends might 
be going through. Even though now my brain has a choice and I'm in control, for so many years I was out of control. Mm -hmm. My brain was just doing its thing to try to take care of me. And I was depriving it. It was like, okay, we're going to go ahead and eat, 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 eat. You're like working against each other. Yeah. Learning to work with yourself is helpful. Give yourself that, that grace for sure. Okay. Well, thank you, Michelle, for coming on again. And um, people can find you on Instagram at... Yes, at Michelle Pillipitch Nutrition. Thank yes. you for having me. And the Pillipitch, yes, we know. It's difficult <laughs> to spell, but we have it in the show notes. So if you're listening to this episode, just go there and you can see there, click on it, get it, get all of Michelle's info. Thank you for coming Thank on you. for all four weeks. And we'd love to have you back again in the future. And in the meantime, y'all can connect with Michelle on Instagram. Thanks so much. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.